0: Thank you for choosing this Dream Centre podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. Just make a quick statement before we start. Ignorance is not bliss. The same way that ignorance is no defence in law. I didn't know that I couldn't do 90 miles an hour down Fairfield Road. Didn't make you any less guilty, did it? The policeman stops you. You not knowing didn't help you. When the long arm of the law tapped you on the shoulder. Ignorance of thinking, if I don't know about it, if nobody tells me, if I just ignore it, that lump will go away. Why did I grow an extra head? All of those things, if we ignore them, are never for our benefit. I've noticed especially, I mean without naming names, but some of the older generation and especially fellas that we find in these situations, you go you've not been very well, you need to go to the doctor. No, I'll be all right, I'll leave it. And we leave things, and we leave things, and we leave things. And then when we finally find out what we've got to do about something, it's always that the treatment is now so severe, it's now gone too far. Something happens because of ignorance. We kind of thought, I'd rather live in not knowing, because I don't know if you've noticed, that even the most simple of us become surgeons top doctors and biblical scholars overnight. You see a lump, you know it's a malignant this caused by, due to a stem cell research, something, everybody comes the top expert, don't they? The same way that when something doesn't work, you might not know that Christ died on the cross, but all of a sudden, you know, the inside and outsides of the apostolic, prophetic, upside down this, on the third day God created, we become experts in everything. Ignorance is not bliss. But I just praise God this morning and a Him for the preparation and the springboard that he's already given us into today. He's our rest. Not only is he our rest, but he's bringing us to a place where we can enter his rest. That whatever I go through, if I go through a storm, if I go through a fire, if I go through a personal issue in my own life, he's still my rest. That when the Bible turns around and says to us and declares that there is a peace that surpasses all understanding, there's something bigger than me. And believe it or not, there's something bigger than Google. Because when he brings peace to my soul, but all the facts say this, whose report will you choose to believe? I'm not talking that we live in ignorance. I'm not talking that we live as people who fool ourselves, stick our heads in the sand and hope it's all going to go away. There is a place when God says, stand and rest, we stand and rest. Amen. But I bless him that out of everything, when we was reading from Psalm 84 this morning, uh, I know we didn't go there, but uh, Pastor touched on it last year, really helped us. What is the one thing that's going to help you come through? Psalm 84, this one thing is that I'd love to be in the house of the Lord. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to be in the the tents of the wicked. What is the one thing that when you're going through stuff... Is going to hold you? What is the word that's going to keep you? Where has God shown himself to be faithful? Where is your healer? Where is the place that you can go back to the milestone in your life of where you encountered God? The last time he spoke to you, the last time he ministered to you, the last time he proved that he is who he is. Where can you go back? You know, as men, we hate taking directions if we get lost, don't we? Right? Like, come on, ladies. Right? It, if. If you've been with your fella and they hate taking directions, don't say amen, say my man. (laughs) My man, yeah. (laughs) We hate taking directions, but you know there's one thing I found out. Even if you turn around and you're using your sat-nav... If you had something, like if David said to me, right, how you find my house is you go to the traffic lights, um, through the traffic lights you've got the cafe by the Pelican Crossing, go straight over, the football ground is is there on on your left hand side, go up, go past the industrial buildings, there's a shop on the corner, turn right, go past the little bungalows, get to the first street and that's my house. David, did I find your house then? There you go. But if I don't find his house, what do I do? I go back to the landmarks. He said, right, if I go to the football ground and then move forward from there, I go back to the last reference point of where God spoke to me. So if I'm getting lost, if I'm getting confused, go back to the last place you know is your landmark and your reference. Amen. But the great thing is, is God is with us. He's not turned around, he's not sat on his throne this morning with his arms folded and declaring, you're on your own. He's with us, hook, line and sinkers. You know, we're pushing through. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I started to speak to you about uh, one of the prophetic words that came to the house, a preceding word is, it's time to cross over. Do you remember that? We spoke on it a couple of weeks ago, and then Paul took it in a slightly different um, dimension last week when he talked about the skirmishes, and that we said that we had the settlements. We were going up to the to the high places in the encampment of the enemy. How the enemy was looking to put a foothold in your life. Do you remember all that? Well, we're going to address some of those issues again. I'll be honest with you, I was going to take it completely differently this week. And I struggled and I said to Kev, I said, Kev, I'm not turning up on Friday. I need to be at home. I'll carry on working. Don't worry about it. But I need some headspace because all of the time, God kept bringing me back to this word and I wanted to go somewhere else. And it was that God, is it just me? Too much cheese before bed? What is it? And we've come back to this word. So I'm just going to pick up from Matthew chapter 8 and verse 18 declares this, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross over to the other side of the lake. Jesus has given us the order to cross to the other side. When he gives an order, is that open to negotiation? Is it open to challenge? Is it open to, well, hang on a minute, we need to debate this. We're not debating with him. He's given us a challenge to go to the other side. Now, the great thing about this word that God has given us, that as we cross to the other side, this year is our year of success. This year is our year, my year, corporate year of success. This is a year when relationships will get stronger. This is a year when bris- businesses will break through. This is the year when we'll encounter him, uh, encounter him at a greater level. This is the year for better health. This is a year for resources coming online. This is a year for the return of families. This is the year of return of the backsliders. This is a year when God is already stirring things in the spirit realm that are going to be brought online to where we are here in the dream center, but not just here, but corporately across his body as houses are rising up because we're not ignorant and we're not arrogant enough to think that we're the only people God is speaking to. Houses are being brought into alignment. But as those houses are crossing over, they're crossing over so they can get to a place of going to the city and seeing a strong man brought down. That means you, that means me. We're coming to a place of fresh commissioning and greater grace. Fresh commissioning and greater grace. The graces that have held us, the graces that have sustained us, God is going to bring through. I tell you, we are going to see so many things being brought into alignment this year, where we almost said, God, I almost gave up. When was it going to be our day? When we would see the healing? We have only started to see, at the moment, the very tip of the iceberg of what God has got in store for us. We start to declare, there will be none sick in Zion. Why do, we cl- do we see that there is sickness amongst us? Are we being ignorant? Are we being blind? Are we being people who are just speaking just ridiculous stuff? No, God's word declares there will be none sick in Zion. So we choose to believe his report and say, my God, we are pushing for an environment where you live, where you visit, where you turn up, where we have encounters with you on a daily basis, and where you are, sickness can't have a foothold. The enemy won't take any ground where you're at. That's what we're looking to see established. Is it established now? No, it's not. We'd be naive to think that it is, but every day we believe for it even more. Pastor Tony had already spoken about it before when he mentioned Reinhard Bonnke. And they said to him, 99 people you prayed for. I think what it was, was if I remember the story rightly, he'd been in a crusade. There had been something like four dozen people got out of wheelchairs. Cancers, visible cancers were being healed on people's faces. Tumors disappearing. The blind were seen. The deaf were being healed. And somebody said, you prayed for four blind people and they didn't get, uh, they didn't get healed. Why not if your God is a healing God? And they said, if you prayed for four people, or you pray for 99 people, and they didn't get healed, what are you going to do? He said, I'll believe that if I pray for the next one, they will. Amen. So sometimes you might look at us and say, you make these declarations about there will be none sick in Zion, and look at it, where's David, where's Beatrice, where's this person, where's that? And every day we push again in the spirit realm. Every day we stand and take our position of authority, and we say, my God, you declared by your stripes we are healed. We claim the covenant, we push for them. We lay hold of you, Lord God, and we say, this is what we want to see declared. We want to see your kingdom come. We don't just want a people who see the kingdom. We want to see, enter, and inherit we're not going to be a people who can look from afar but we're the ones who can lay hold of him I want to say we the people I'm not talking about Pastor Tony and Carol I am talking about we as individuals every person in the body starts to rise that we lay hands on the sick and they recover we're the ones that I don't have to run forward and say excuse me I think you pray better than I can so will you pray for my situation no every one of us holds that statue position in positioning God as part of the dream centre as we've taught you how to lay hold of him and we've taught you how to have the christ formed on the inside as we lay hold of the patterns and blueprints of how to acknowledge and enter where he's at how to break through in worship how to hold your position and statue in the spirit you can step in the biggest thing that i think that we we fear most of the time again if i speak about me is how many times we double guess ourselves I've made the journey, I'm there, no I'm not. And there's always a reason why I don't enter in. And I take two steps back for everyone that I take forward. So as, as Pastor Terminal I said today, it's great that we declare you're my healer, that Lord, you're breaking through, that you hold us, you carry us through the fire, but what about Monday morning? What about Monday morning? What about it? What difference is in Monday than there is on a Sunday? The only fact is on Monday is I don't see your faces. But guess what? If I'm like half of you, you're all on Facebook, so I see your faces anyway. If I chose to be around church, just turn on Facebook and you'll see half of the church in the first place. But we're pushing on because we're in a great year. But this year is built on last year. High visibility, maximum impact. And we say, yeah, but did I see high visibility? Did I see maximum impact? We saw a degree, but we're pushing forward that says, this year, Lord, we're going even higher. We're going to be even more visible. Lord God, you're bringing us out of stealth mode into something that's being seen. And we're not necessarily saying we're being seen by man. We're being spotted in this area. Somebody found our website. What did they say about us in the Thompson Local? Doesn't make any Difference in the spirit realm when people step forward, when the sons of Sceva try to act in a certain way, the man who had a demonic spirit steps forward and says, Jesus, we know, Paul, we've heard of, but who are you? In the spirit realm, there is, and the dream center, we've heard of, and it's not just you as an individually, corporately, we're seen as a group, corporately, we are one man, we are the many membered body. It's not just me on my own. It's all of us that when I stand, I'm standing with the faith of David. I'm pushing with Jill. I'm pushing with David and all the guys around us. It's all together. It's a corporate strength as we push forward. Because God has reminded us that we're pushing through. We're breaking limitations. This is our year of the unusual. This is our year of the unusual. And if it's the year of my unusual, it's your year of unusual. I'll share something with you, personal, absolutely personal. I know you won't have a problem with it, but um, like last year, we had a situation where we we took our business. Do you know that Kev and I are in business together? And Kev went through uh, the time last year where we pushed through as a house. He was very ill. There wasn't an awful lot he could do. Do you know last year was our best year in business we ever had? Do you know why? Because God had to step forward and meet us where we couldn't meet. Where we couldn't push through in an area, people were phoning us and saying, excuse me, would you like this contract? Hang on, mate, we've not pitched, we've not done anything. Yeah, can you just come and see as I've got all of this work? And that is still continuing as we stepped into this year. Even people that we've not dealt with for, oh, what seemed to be almost years. Oh, I, I just found your business card again. I'm just giving you a call. Can you come and do this job? And it's like, and this job opened into this one and into this one. And we've had to sit and say, if this is not the hand of God, I don't know what it is. Because we've just rewrote the marketing rules. If we're not hitting the phones, if we're not getting out there and meeting people, if we're not banging down the door with leaflets on new business, and people keep ringing, either we're too cheap, which at times I think we are, either we're too cheap or God's on our case and God's got our back. If he's got our back and we're starting to see something, he's got your back. Because how many of you are going to say, my company got a contract we never thought we were going to get. We saw breakthroughs that we never saw we were going to get. That things just came online. It's the year of unusual. And that unusual is going to get bigger. We used the word this morning. It said, when you hear the word, do not harden your heart. Hardening your heart makes it sound like your arrogance. Hardening your heart can work in a completely different dimension. I become so familiar and flippant with the word. God spoke again. Yeah, just do this. And it's almost, we don't take it to action. We don't give it the the position of authority that it should have in our life, the weight uh, that it's been spoken by God, and we just treat it as anything else. It's almost like, oh, Coronation Street's on at 7.30. Yeah, so what? Words come to us and they hold no weight. But this year, as God starts to speak, we lay hold of it, we build it into our lives. If there's one thing I've found out and have discovered yet again over this last six months, God does everything for us in seed form. That from Genesis to present day, your life and my life are established via the principle of seed. I don't want to go there today because it'll be too much of a distraction. But if I just tell you this in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23, he says, And you are born again, not by corruptible, but by incorruptible seed via the word of God. You are born again by the seed of God. Everything, these things shall remain. Genesis, seed, time, harvest. God's principle of seed and how he see it, sows into your life, builds into your life and wants to see a fruit born from it only get stronger and stronger and stronger. The seed that he's sowing this morning, as he cast his seed out this morning, he said, right, we will enter a place of rest. There may be times that you'll, you'll find a struggles ahead of you, but will you find the rest? Did you lay hold of that seed? Did you grab it and say, it will find fertile soil in me today? Are you, uh, are you in a position, were you one of those people that said, I'm going to believe your word, I'm going to lay hold of you. Yes, I will have that rest. Yes, I've been through turmoil, but my God, I'm going to come through on the other side. Emotional stability is a major, major factor that is missing from so many lives. And that emotional stability, the fear of not knowing, the fear of double guessing, the fear of allowing the madman in the attic to go to every worst dimension that you can ever think about. If I let this man loose that lives in my head, total craziness breaks out. Hollywood could never ever make a film as to what happens in my head. In my head, the worst of everything happens every time. Hitchcock could not take my head and make it a better movie. I am telling you, when I run that movie in my head, it's crazy time. But you know the wonderful thing is about God. You know that he never leaves us all forsakers? You know that in him is no shadow of turning or no variableness. You know that he's the one that says, I don't lie, as we heard this morning. That on me, when I say this is it, this is it. And I step forward and I'm going to be strong with you. I'm going to build with you. Is that the God that you know? Yeah. Well, then we come into the rest of Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8 and verse 23 declares this and read the scripture. It says, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so the waves were, like, uh, were swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Then the amazed, and men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side in the region of, of Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us son of God? They shouted. Have you come to torture us before our appointed time? The first thing to remember is this as we're crossing to the other side. We are not being sent on our own. The first person in the boat was Jesus. He got into the boat. They followed. As he's calling us over to the other side, he is not turning around and saying, you're going to face things, you're going to cross over, we're going to go through the storm, we're going through the lake, it's going to be hard work, there's going to be stuff that comes your way. Oh, by the way, I'll see you on the other side because I'm traveling business class. No, he didn't. The first person in the boat was Jesus. Jesus got in the boat and says, I give the command to go and I'm with you all of the way. We are not going on our own. Jesus is the first in. Amen. Now, the word that we touched on, we turned around and said this year, there will be attacks. There will be storms that start to come. Attacks on health, attacks on finance, attacks on family, attacks on relationships and attacks on, your man, on marriages. Now, I turned around, I had to write myself a note and said, this is not doom and gloom. And this is not a message of a negative confession. This is, I don't know if you saw it, but Thursday and Friday, how many times the weather forecast changed? If you were like me, I kind of thought, right, now, I know that Pastor Tony's getting better, so one day there's got to be a day when we've got to go sledging, because we always go sledging. We're like, we're bigger kids than the kids, yeah? So I was thinking, so when's the snow coming? So I started to look. Do you realise on Friday, even on the Manchester Evening News website, how many times the warning status changed? Eight o'clock in the morning, we have red and orange status. Warning, warning, warning. Don't like pack up with all your water and everything else. Empty the supermarket because all of a sudden we're going to have this massive tirade of snow for 24 hours. The world's going to stop for 24 hours. Then two hours later, they went, seriously, look at the Manchester Evening News. It went, we just need to place an apology to say we got it wrong. <laughs> You are not getting any snow. So it went from orange to red to two hours later to say, there's no snow at all. And I think you may be fine that they got it right. And they went, it's a, just a change in the atmosphere. It's not us getting it wrong. It's a change in the atmosphere. An hour later, bang came the orange flag again. We got it wrong. Snow's coming. Pack up. Get your duffel coat on. Tell Tony get his sledge. We're all going. One o'clock. I'm sorry, it seems that Fred, the YTS lad, has been allowed to use the computer, and um, he's the one who's suddenly described and found out that we're having no snow again. So the status went from no snow, snow, no snow, snow, no snow. That is all over the place of a couple of hours. When God tells us to get ready for some stuff coming along, it's not a negative confession. It's an opportunity to take precautions. To be pre-warned is to be pre-armed. pre-armed. God warns us ahead of time. Now let me tell you this. In my experience, of which I have a little, I have found that in times gone past, if there is ever going to be a, a storm that comes to the house or to a group of believers, it normally happens in this area first. Key workers, givers, and leadership are normally the first three areas where people start to get hit. These are always not a case of saying that these people get taken out completely. Sometimes it is the drip, drip, drip Chinese water torture it's a little thing that comes into your life and you think, yeah, I can face this today. It's an annoyance. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Something comes along, like if i honest, where is it? He's not here so I can say it, yeah? My Dan, an annoyance. So a situation happens with Dan, it becomes an annoyance to you and flutters you a little bit. But it's all right, we're emotionally stable. And then a week later, you hear about something else or something else drops in. And so the drip suddenly got a little bit weightier. Then people you care for, something happens and it gets a little bit weightier. And each time, any one of those things on their own, you can always handle. It's when the weight of this, 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 this and this becomes the domino that brings disillusionment, causes you to become tired, causes you to become run down, and oftentimes opens the door for your own sickness and anxiety, because all of your immune system's getting down, because you don't sleep properly, you're not eating properly, you stop taking care of yourself because of these concerns, that any one of them on their own, you'll get up in the morning and swat like a fly. But as you start to get them back to back to back to back, it wasn't suddenly that you woke up and you were told you got three weeks to live. It was a culmination of small things that, as they push through, become weightier and weightier on you. That's where you've got to find out, God, you're still in the boat. You're in the boat. We face a storm. A wave might come over. It might be like one of those rides down at Disneyland where if I've not got my pack on, I'm going to be soaking wet and I'll have to walk around soaking for the next two hours. The wave will come in, but we can ride it. You didn't die. You got wet. As Jesus came over, he said, you're going into the storm. He never turned around and said, anybody's going to be lost in this boat. He said, you're going to be wet. It's going to be uncomfortable. There might be a time when you're throwing up over the side. There might be a time when you're crying and you want your mum. There might be a time when you want to bail out and you're sat there, leaving the harbour with your life jacket all blown up. But you know what? We stay in the boat. There is safety in the boat. There is rest in the boat. Paul said to us last week, we will face battles And we will face skirmishes. We've got to decide where we put all of our strength. Sometimes a skirmish you completely ignore. Just ignore it, let it go by. We choose our battles, we don't just go and pick a fight with everybody who's looking for an issue. Even if we look through the Old Testament, you see David. David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up this time? And God said, It's not your battle. Finish your dinner. That's, you've got a spam sandwich there. Get it all down your neck. It's fine. There is times when the concern, you had to meet where the enemy pressed in. At other times, God went, it's under control. It's not your battle. Let somebody else fight it. That's why we can't be those who are quick to rush into a fight. Amen. Just uh, I mentioned to uh, Pastor Tony this week, I was reminded... And it's something that we built as a core attitude amongst the leadership. Back in the earlier days when we fought for um, the future of the Dream Center, when we fought for the house, when we're pushing through. And it's never changed, but we made this declaration. We stood together as men in this house and we said this. We said, lack of uh, resources, manpower, and sickness will never stop us moving forward to where God's told us to go. Some would almost say it's, it's an attitude of defiance. Well, it is. Because it says, I'm not moving. If you're going to take me out, I'm going to go down standing up. I'm going to fight with everything I've got to say, my God, we will not move. We are going to stay clear to your word. We're going to hold on to your preceding word. We believe you. We trust you. You bring rest into us. We're not being stupid. But we stand and say, my God, where you've said stand, we can stand. Heaven kisses earth in the place when God has said, this is what I'm declaring for you to move forward. And I'm in the boat to move forward. How much backing have we got? I mean, when he turns around and they they, they said, what is this man that even the storms obey him? Even the environments that we face that seem hostile to us will have to come into alignment because Jesus is in the boat. Safety is in the boat. But then my common sense kicks in. Common sense says this, if there's a storm outside the harbour, don't go outside the harbour. Stay in the harbour. Isn't the word to come out of the cave? That as we start to come outside, we'll face things that we didn't have to face before. We'll face situations, opportunities, um, variants on that will come down. But common says is, stay in the boat. Wait for a time when the waters aren't choppy. We don't get to choose the time. We stand on obedience and we start to move forward, amen? We push into him in a greater way. Like we said, we're not stupid. Who knows the story of King Canute? If I said King Canute, three of us, four of us. I'll tell you a quick story of King Canute. King Canute was a guy, he was a Viking, came over, took over England, decided to come for the weekend and stay. So they come over, but the flattery of men around him said that he was so powerful, even the very waves and the tide would have to obey him. So he went down to Rill, we'll call it Rill, it's close enough. He put down. He put down his chair, his throne... And he sat there and said, the waves and the tide will not be able to go past me because I am a man of such authority that the waves will have to stop at my feet. Well, they bailed him out just before he drowned. That's the way the story continued. And the bottom line is this. We are not stupid. We don't take things that are going to try and just overtake us. Jesus has the power to calm the storm. Could Jesus have stopped the tide? Yes, he could. Couldn't he? We can stand with him. That is not my issue. The issue is we're not just stupid enough to say, oh, there's a wave, we'll take it on. There's a storm, we'll take it on. There's this, we'll take it on. We take what he tells us to take when he tells us. We don't get ideas above our station. We don't just keep pushing forward. But that whole thing of, and again, it came to the issue of rest this morning. Let that issue that Pastor Tony and Paul led us into this morning, if we can lay hold of this one understanding of the rest that he calls us into and the, we cease from worrying, it will save us from so many things. Jesus is in the boat and the cry from the men is, we are going to die. In another translation, a different uh, passage, it says, We're going to, you are going to allow us to die. In this storm, we're all going to be lost. It's a case of we're sending a boat out, and Jesus said, you've missed the point. If I'm here, the enemy can never, ever take out what I'm in. Does that make sense? When Jesus is in the boat, the enemy hasn't got, on his best day, can't do anything that's going to take that boat. And when you're in the boat, and I'm in the boat, the safest place to be is there. The safest place wasn't even the harbour. The safest place is the creator of all mankind in that boat. When he's in the boat and I'm in the boat, we're in a good place. amen? Amen. Our obedience will always come. Oh, sorry. Our protection will always come from our obedience to the assignment. He's given us assignment. Go to the other side. Protection will come from there. We see this demonstrated, if you remember the story of the children of Israel as they passed through the wilderness. It says this, there was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. When the cloud or the fire moved, you moved. When it stayed, you stayed. And in that cloud and the fire as they moved forward, there was always provision. There was protection. You know, you never read a story in the Old Testament about the way that people challenged the camp of the Israelites when they were camped. It wasn't like we're in bed and suddenly the enemy came, came against them. When there was a cloud and the fire, nothing encroached on that territory where they were. There was water, there was manna, there was quail, there was protection. Everything came because the obedience was, when that moves, pack up and move. We might find moments where I think, my God, I'm sorry I got out of bed this morning. I don't know if you ever have those days. But it's certain days where I think, oh my Lord, my safest world was just to cover my head with my pillow and stay here. Yeah? You don't have days like that. (laughs) You want to work with Kev. Oh, I tell you. (laughs) But these are the times where we said if we stick with obedience, it's our safest place. I might not know on a daily basis where I'm placing my foot next, but as long as I know it's in the direction he's telling me to walk in, I know I'm covered. He has my back. We move forward, we move forward, we move forward. But I was reminded of this. If God loved me, why would he want me to put me through some trouble? Why would he ever want me to face a storm if he loved me? Because surely if he loves me, it should be a bed of roses. Everything should be hunky-dory. It should be breakfast in bed in a spiritual context every day. It just appears to me we chat like in the garden. You know, we read from Genesis. And the Lord appeared in the cool of the evening and chatted to Adam. And it's like, did you see the football? What do you reckon? You know, they just had general kind of chats. Why can't life be like that rather than, and you'll go through a storm? For those of us who've had the privilege of being parents... I choose my words carefully. Privilege of being parents because we know they're a delight and a distraction and a blessing. Yes, because let's be scriptural. The children are a blessing from the Lord. That's, that's it. Amen. Amen. I'm sending mine around to you at two o'clock in the morning when I've got my issues and they can be a blessing at your house. Well, thank you. But do you know when you've been a kid and then as a parent... You get anxious about some of the environments your children have to go in. They have that first swimming lesson and they look at you and it's like, mom, dad, you are not going to let this person do this to me, are you? You take them for the jab that's going to keep them safe. And you go, "Ah, you see somebody walk forward with that syringe. Suddenly the horns come out, you see the black eyes, everything. You are going to hurt my beloved little one. That first day at school, when you drag them. Because kids going to school are great. They've got this big adventure, we're going to school. Do you remember that? They get the school uniform, and they've got a bag, and you take the photo, before they've all got chocolate and everything down them. You get all of the bit, they're all giddy, until they get to the school gate. And then for some reason, children this big... Turn into a 22-stone drunken man you cannot drag across the floor, and they're kicking and screaming, and you're trying to push them into that environment that's going to be good for them. Yes? Do we do them any favours by holding back medicine, holding back experiences, and holding back things that enable them to grow? Sometimes they have to face what they believe is a fear so that they can grow and expand in that environment. Two days later when they've made a new friend and Billy's got a girlfriend and they're skipping into school in the morning and they can't get out of the car quick enough, you kind of think, what happened to that kid, the 22 stone drunken Friday night man, who two days ago couldn't get past the gate and now is sprinting off and doesn't care? It's experiences. There are things that we need to learn. There are things that we need to develop in God. There are realms of God that we need to discover in Him and experience for ourselves that we don't just read in Scripture that will cause things to, to be different in our lives. So we go through, why? For our own development. I might not like it. It's a big word. Is your big Sunday word. You can go and uh, study this one for yourself. It's called cognitive dissonance. There you go, being clever just for a moment. Cognitive dissonance means this, a fear of what you don't understand. And when we don't understand it, we become fearful of it. So when it's a new experience, what's it going to be like in a boat? You see, because me, um, I mean, there is something that Andy always says and and Pastor Tony, they always class me as being the um, travel guide voted uh, gold star standard, 1986 to present day, that we always, if we're doing any kind of travelling, we always plan the route. So, I'll want to know if we're staying in the hotel, what kind of service is it like? Does it have any restrictions? Does it have a safe? So, we plan everything ahead of time. In some of these areas where God goes and He's leading us into, He doesn't give you the opportunity to plan. He just says, You're going. When? Now. (laughs) Pack up your. It's like almost. The picture sometimes is the Dick Whittington, isn't it? You know, you've got your, your hanky on the edge of a stick. When am I going? Now. And we get up and we go and we trust him and we walk through. But there are experiences where he wants to reveal himself as king of kings and lord of lords. Now again, if we remember from two weeks ago, we take the premise that when things are being established in the spirit world, we don't always see, acknowledge or understand. So when we saw that the people at Jericho, they said for 40 years, the time they've been in the wilderness, we've been waiting for you to turn up. The men of Gadarean, it says in the story, when they got to the other side, have you come to torment us before our appointed time? They knew he was on the way. The city knows we're on the way. The strong man knows that something's changing in this house. The enemy knows that he's going to have an opportunity this year to bring some waves into our boat. But he knows that Jesus is going ahead of us. He, what he's looking for is, will we stay in the boat? Will we get in the boat? And will we start the journey? On there, God's in control. The enemy is not going to dictate to where we go, the, the space and the, uh, the, the pace and the speed of where we're at. God is going to dictate. See, because even in a storm, there is something. Somebody... I'm not a sailor. I am not a sailor by any stretch, uh, stretch of the imagination. I once went round a boat on um, Heaton Park. I don't know if that makes me a sailor. I'm not too sure. But I've done a rowing boat here and there. But one thing I do know about sailing, because I've been told and i an and I've looked at some of these bits, is that sometimes to go in a straight direction, you have to tack. Do you know what tacking is? You go sideways to come back sideways, and each time you go like this, You're continually moving forward without going in a straight line. Do you know where I learned that from? The Olympics. Ben (laughs) Ainsley. See, who said watching telly couldn't be entertaining and educational at the same time? But the place that we need to come to, because I believe that God has told us that we're in a position of rest for a reason, is that we're more prone and likely to worry. What strength is there and what gain is there in worrying. Let me read you this scripture from Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of one of you by worrying add a single hour to, hour to his day or to his life? And then the passage continues. And it says that this, um, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough worries about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day, each person, each family will have enough trouble and worry of their own. Is that right? And that's why one of the concerns as well, you know, in the the New Testament, Paul tells us, don't be a busybody, don't be about somebody else's business, be about your own. I don't need to see how I can keep fixing everything for you. Sort your own house out. Amen? But the truth is this. In that scripture we just read there, God asks a question. He's asking one question from us. The question is this. Where are you going to put your trust? Are you going to put your trust in a world system, or are you going to put your trust in what the kingdom declares? Because there's something that's prevalent in all of this. We see from the scripture that the people had needs, that there was worried about time, that there was a worry about of lack, there was a worry about where the supply came from, and there was a worry about their life. We would be so naive if we believed that once we came into Christ, some kind of spiritual bubble encompassed you and you no longer had needs. We have the same needs as everybody else. We need money, we need homes, we need resources, we need relationships, we need family, we need good health. All of those things that the world is chasing, do we not need as well? The question is from God is, I understand you have the needs, but which gateway are you going to go through to get them? If I'm doing everything in my own strength to provide for all of my own needs, then I'm choosing a world system. But by seeking him first and his righteousness All these things, the things you need, will be added unto you. They become the access points in God. But if I'm believing that it's just my own strength, my natural ability, I just build things into me, that'll keep the gateway open. It won't. I find a place in him. In Psalm 18 and verse 20, it says this, The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. Now, there's an awful lot said about righteousness, some good and some bad and some indifferent. Righteousness and a scene of righteousness established in your life and in the house. Righteousness, right standing with God in its breakdown of its formative and simplest sense is this. Is that people would declare, if I'm just righteous, everything works. Does it? Does everything in the kingdom work if you're just righteous? Because righteousness needs to be attached to obedience, doesn't it? And then doesn't righteousness and obedience need to be attached to a holy life? Take all of the bits. Don't take anything out of context. It's not just one thing. But there are seasons in God where he looks to us and says, I'm looking to establish righteousness. And I believe that season is now. God is going to be adding to our righteousness as we build as a house moving forward. But you know, that whole comment of don't worry about tomorrow is easier said than done. Because I can say to you, David, that thing on your hand, don't worry about it. I had one. Mine looked more like a bruise wearer and shipped me with a wooden spoon. But don't worry about it. I'm not an expert. I don't know if you should be worrying or not. To say the term don't worry is easier said than done. My mum was a worrier. And when I mean she was a worrier, she was a worrier. Worried to the state of, um, there are four, four children in my family. I'm the next to youngest. So I've got a younger sister, got an older sister, got an older brother. My older brother was the first one to try and discover life. And he found life at the bottom of a bottle quite early, from about 14 years of age. So my mum started to worry about my brother, because my brother was a 10-man drunk. You know what a 10-man drunk is? 10-man drunk is he's going to take on the world. Have one drink and he's going to take on the world. So he always wanted to come home and go, right, who wants to fight so who's the biggest? There's my dad. You must be somebody I want to fight. And that was the kind of environment that we kind of grew up in. So my mom became a warrior. So she'd worry when you went out. She'd be worried if you stay in. And then she would worried that you were going to come home. So in the place for her, where was a place of rest? There never was a place of rest because things dictated. Now, if we look around and we start to look at ourselves, we can say, right, this situation of... Again, allowing the madman out of the attic. If a storm's going to come, and we heard from before, relationships, family, health, work, the madman automatically goes, what's happening at work? What's going to happen? Is she running off with a milkman? All kind of craziness that goes on, and you build so many avenues off the side of your head of what could go wrong, you suddenly, something you wasn't worried about, now starts to take a foothold in your life. The word that Paul brought last week. Be careful that the enemy says, I don't make a foothold in your territory. It was where they were that the enemy wanted to bring that foothold. And worry can often do that. You know, one of the things we worry is this. I worry that God doesn't know. I worry that God doesn't know and he doesn't care about my situation and circumstance. But this is where I have to understand and be uh, see revealed How God has me in the palm of his hand. How God is carrying us through. How God starts to lay hold of us and deal with me in a different way. It's my not knowing he knows that makes me worry. Does he know? Does that make sense? Glad it did to you because it didn't to me. But let me tell you this. Here's a practical thing. Dr. Phil is just going to step in because Google's good for some things. Some of the effects... That worry, stroke stress will have on your life if you allow it to take a hold of you. Some of the basic things on your body stomach ulcers and increasing high blood pressure, overindulgences, unhealthy habits, i.e. overeating, through comfort eating, undereating, pushing to areas of anorexia, smoking and drinking. The people go, I'm just calming my nerves, sort of hitting the fags and it's never stopping. Or the person who just goes, "Uh, I'm just, just another drink, just have a little bit of that. I'm a bit stressed today, it's been a bad day at work, I'm just taking the edge off. And it's amazing how many bad days at work the edge takes off. And that one bottle that you used to get at Christmas becomes the one bottle a week that you're putting in the shopping trolley. And then it's amazing how many one bottles a week are getting in your shopping trolley. And that might not be hard stuff, it's the cheap beer, it's the cheap wine, the things that go down the line. It's a kind of, we say that it's a stress reliever or it helps me go to sleep. I can't sleep without a drink that just takes the edge off. Warning, orange flashing light, orange flashing light. If I've got to have something built into my life that enables me to do something, then I'm becoming a slave to it. Yes? Long-term of those effects, heart disease and stroke. The cycle starts to increase. Often with stress, anxiety and worry will lead to insomnia or bad sleep patterns. Bad sleep patterns make you go and say, I'll just nip downstairs to take the edge off. So I start the cycle again in something else. Oh, I'm now up, it's three o'clock in the morning, I'm watching Trisha, early hours, on cable, and now I'm comfort eating again. So I'm comfort eating, and I'll have a drink, because I can't sleep. And then because I can't sleep, I don't get up in the morning. And then my day gets extended, so I'm now getting up at dinner time, instead of getting up at normal time. And because I got up at dinner time, I'm now not tired till two in the morning. And at two in the morning, I start comfort eating, because I can't sleep. So the cycle goes round and round and round. Insomnia, depression... Mental health issues can conclude and come to the end of complete breakdown. It's not every case, but it's where that things can push through. It also leads to a reduced work performance. And when I underperform at work, I worry and get stressed that I'm underperforming at work. And when I'm worrying and stressed, I make more mistakes because I'm worried and I'm stressed. And then I go, you won't believe because we deal quite a lot. With uh, people in education and different government environments how many people are off with stress? where's Billy? stress, where's Mary? stress, and do you know it's the one thing that you can't challenge? as an employer, you can't challenge a stressed person because if you challenge them about their workload, they can sue you because you've made them more stressed (laughs) I'll tell you what, somebody's making a game somewhere aren't they? But we should be a people that shouldn't fear lack, that shouldn't fear that we're in a boat, and that God's in control. He knows we need the stuff. I know what it's like, don't want to go into personal detail because I don't, know it's, I don't need to, but I know what it's like to go to the wire. I know what it's like when you haven't got anything. I know what it's like when somebody's pushed an envelope through your door. I know what it's like when there's been a food shopping bag on your step. I know what it's like to have received that, and I know what it's like to have done it. And I know what it's like when God has had to turn up. And one thing it taught me in all of that experience, I learned to trust God, but I learned to believe in what he put in me. I trusted him, But I believed what he put in me, my gifts, my talents, my ability to push forward and make things work. See, something that is not often preached, but I'll tell you this. You are more likely to be the answer to your prayer, your own self, than what you are just waiting for an answer. Oh God, I have nothing. Get off your backside and go to work. Oh Lord, this situation needs to change with this this broken relationship. Can you speak to Julianne? No, get up and put it right. You are often the answer to the prayer you're praying. Yes? And we're waiting for God to reach out with a magic stick and make everything better. There is no better solution than application. Hard work and application. We do something about it. But very quickly, let me just tell you these things before we finish. What will dictate where we move forward and the pace we move forward is our attitude whilst in the boat. In the boat. We're in it together. It's not Phil's fault that the storm turned up. Can I just tell you something else? i just tell you now, all ahead of time. It's not Pastor Tony and Carol's fault that the storm came. It's not the leadership's fault that the storm came. We're going in the boat with him to the place he told us to go. So we're passing over. The understanding that at times, whilst in the boat, we'll have to work harder. If the waves crash in, there might be some bailing out. There might be grabbing Phil's leg back in before he goes overboard. There might be sometimes that when Shirley says, mutiny, mutiny, and it's mutiny on the bounty, and she jumps up and says, right, Mr. Christian, this is it. I'm taking it all down. We've got to calm Shirley down. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds flippant. Hey? And sometimes you calm people down in different ways. Sometimes it's the right hand of fellowship. And other times it's still with a brotherly, brotherly kiss. Not a scouse kiss. A scouse kiss. But there are times when it gets harder. Attitudes, people's emotions, where we're coming from, get exposed. Pastor Tony and I and Andy, we've travelled an awful lot together. But we've always said this. You get one opportunity to travel with us. Because when you travel, it exposes everything. It exposes what you like when you're tired. It exposes what you like when you're hungry. It exposes what you like when they lost your bag and I got mine. It exposes what you like when you got the smoking room and not the non-smoking room. It exposes what you like when there was a spider in the bed. All of the stuff, again, remember what we said at the beginning, any one of these things on their own, you go, oh, <laughs> there was a spider in the bed but the plane was delayed they lost your bag you got held at customs you come through the taxi was late we missed the bus you didn't get your dinner it, you thought it was stopping for a wee and you had to hold it for an extra hour you get in and it's not your hotel room suddenly the world is against you and that's the time yeah just letting you know if you choose to travel there's rules <laughs> We said we need to keep moving forward. And the other part of this, over this time, it's a time to keep encouraging each other with the promises and the word of God. Because we're going through something for a season. It's going to be tough, but there's greatness at the other side. It's going to be tough, but there's greatness while still in the boat. Do you know why? Because some of your faults, failings, habits, issues, attitudes, mental assignments, and something else will get dealt with. So in, that, in this whole journey of going through something, when we get to the other side, we should be better people already. Yes. Amen? Amen? Just remember, before you get into the storm, God gives you the opportunity to put things in order. Just read in the book of Acts, Agabus. There will be a famine in Jerusalem. He's told you ahead of time so you can prepare. Great story in Genesis chapter 47, if you start to look at it. It's a story of Joseph. Joseph comes to power. He's had his dream coat. They went to the West End and then after that he came back to Egypt. So he's in Egypt. He's had the dream of Pharaoh. He's told him there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of lack. OK, so he tells him, remember, it's not Joseph's dream. Joseph is given an interpretation of what he saw. OK, and in that, he said there'll be seven years of plenty, seven years of lack. Is that the story? Yeah. You've read that bit. If not, you've seen the stage show. Yeah, yeah. right. We're brawling. If you've not talked to Jenny, she's got the DVD. So we're here. There's Joseph. He's told him seven years of plenty, seven years of lack. Read Genesis 47. And it says that Joseph and his family were established in the land. And then there was famine in the land, and there was no bread. But there was food for Joseph and his family. You go, I got right. Okay, we're having something. So the Egyptians came at the end of the year and gave their money and says, "Give us bread." They've had seven years to prepare. They've got nothing left. They handed over all of their money. They came back at the end of the next year and said, "All of our money's gone, but we still need bread. So take all of our livestock." So they take the livestock. They come back the next year, and at the end of the next year, they said, We have no money, we have no livestock. All that's left for us is our land and ourselves in slavery. What happened to all of these people that said, You better get prepared because it's going to be seven years when you've got now? They were flippant with the word. And that flippancy in Proverbs 1 32 and 33 says this, and this we finish. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety. God says, I am telling you ahead of time. Don't bail out. Don't run away. Don't start a mutiny. Don't shout man overboard. Don't try and get the lifeboats out. We're in a storm. We're going to go through a storm. But the glory is at the other side. Amen. The glory is going to be revealed. But let me tell you these four things. This, I'll just make as a statement and you can build as you go. Relationships, beware little foxes. Partners with marriage, keep talking. It's not a time to go silent. Men, it's not a time to go silent. I know there's some things at times you think, I need to save this from my wife. And maybe she doesn't need to know that there's some problems at work and things are tight. keep talking. Two are better than one. God brought you together for strength. It's not that you're some big macho thing to try and carry all of the burden. Keep talking. Number three, balance the books. Look at your own expenditure. If there's going to be a time when maybe finance or resources are, re- are reduced, it's not a time to start thinking, where can I save on my Aldi beans when the bailiff's knocking on the door? Look now at your own expenditure, how you start to live. Don't be frivolous with your own health. You've been sat there at two in the morning, drinking two litres of Coke, pushing down. You've just been in the whoopsie deal in Asda. You went late shopping and they had a bag of donuts and a cream cake and something else. And you thought, it's got a sell by date of tonight, so I better eat it. Don't be frivolous with your own health. As David said before, he kept putting off and putting off the issue with his own hand. And we give testimony that says, oh, my God, Lord, we're believing those results are coming back. Everything's going to be fine. It's still being frivolous with your health. If there is a lump, if there's something that's unusual, deal with it. Yes, because we need you. And remember, 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 not the 5th of November for the older ones. Remember the family of God and six tells us and remember the family of God you might not go through a storm but it doesn't mean that somebody else isn't maybe it's financial maybe it's relational maybe it's something where they're under pressure maybe the kids the wheels have fell off completely that's a time where we've got to be there bring the word of encouragement this is where the Ananias and Sapphira and the grace that the pastor's been leading us into and telling us about needs to come to the fore this is where family has to demonstrate family This is times when I also, again, telling the truth in love. And I'll say, remember, just be careful. But the truth in love, where I can say to you, hey, you're getting giddy. Calm down. And we speak, you want to bail out, you don't need to bail out. And we bring the word of hope. We bring the word of comfort. I don't need your kind of good ideas. I don't need your expression of what you think is everything working. We go back to what God said. There will be storms. We're coming through to the other side. Oh, and when we get to the other side, you know this whole thing of taking on the strong man, looking in for it yourself, because it's absolutely wonderful. Men of Gadaree and do all of their bit. they come running out of the caves. Ah, ah, doing all the screaming. They come to Jesus. Says that nobody could pass that way. Remember the scripture? Read the next bit. And Jesus' response, do one. Phil's translation. Do one. Jog on, Kitty. It's one word. Jesus' response, go. We're not in a massive fight. It's not when we get there, we're going to have to roll up our sleeves. What's being formed in us now will enable us to be established when we get to our destination. Amen. So come on, church, let's stand to our feet. Like I said, I didn't want this to be a a message of woe is me or it's a power of negative confession. It's being absolutely obvious. There may be trouble ahead, but God's good. Maybe trouble ahead, but he's already told us this morning, there is a place where you can find your rest in me. It's a place where we need to build family. It's a place where we need the preceding word to hold us. You know, when we've got nothing else, it's the preceding word that will keep us. Amen? Amen. Come on, cheers. Let's just raise those holy hands. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.